Are you ready for the latest Habs news, passionate debates, and in-depth analysis from hockey experts around the league? It's the most informative and interactive podcast about the Montreal Canadiens. This is the Canadiens Connection Podcast, featured on allhabs.net, with your hosts, Joe Whalen and Rick Stevens. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio, keeping you informed, engaged, and entertained. My name is Joseph Whalen. I'll be your host for the next hour, and this is episode 61 of the Canadians Connection podcast. This is the Rafael Diaz edition, and I'm pleased to be joined in studio by the player 61 to my Rafael Diaz, Mr. Rick <laughs> Stevens. How's it going, Rick? I'm doing just fine, thanks. Um, I've <laughs> been... Uh, uh, yeah, been on the road, um, got to see uh, the Laval Rocket last night and uh, excited for all the uh, the news and topics. It's been a busy week on it and off been. the ice, so uh, yeah. we've got lots to talk about today. You've been all over New York, you've been driving around, and uh, you've, you've you've still made the uh, the journey to, to be on this podcast, so I appreciate that. And uh, yeah, we do have quite a lot to talk about today, don't we? I mean... And we were talking about this just before we went on the air. The Montreal Canadiens played five games since we last spoke. Because they played the games against Philadelphia and Boston in the back-to-backs. And then they played the Islanders. Then they played another back-to-back, Colorado and New York, the Rangers. So, man, they have had a jam-packed week. And there's also been news that we're going to get to that really dominated the, uh, the landscape on social media. So don't worry, we're going to get to the, the Caden Primo, Ed Carey Price, Keith Kincaid, all that stuff, all that conversation. That's going to be a little bit later on in the show. But before we get any further, I guess we'll just throw out that uh, this is a live podcast. You can interact with us. You can call into the show, 213-943-3754, or you can text us if you're listening on demand at 585-3ROCKET. So, Rick, now that we have the, uh, the numbers thrown out there, this, uh, this week, as I said, was very, very busy for the Montreal Canadiens, and I'm going to go through a little bit of a shorter version of the week recap than I usually do, just to fit in all five games. So we started off last week with a 4-3 to three overtime loss to the Philadelphia Flyers. You saw some better signs from Montreal. It looked like they were playing a little bit of a better game, but it still felt like they were never going to be able to pull that one off, and then in overtime... Ivan Provorov, man, he just walked Max Domi, scoring the highlight reel goal, 4-3. to three. Um, Hard to really fault. Keith Kincaid didn't play a great game, but, I mean, that one you, you can't really put on him. Uh, then they go to Boston. After, you know, they get trounced 8-1 to one last week, they head out to Boston to do battle with their, uh, with their rival. And, you know what, it was it was a decent effort through two periods, but the third period, I mean, Brendan Gallagher had an opportunity to extend it to 2 nothing. He couldn't do that, and when you miss your opportunities against the Boston Bruins, more often than not, they'll make you pay for it. So a 3-1 to one loss in Boston, but uh, after that, it was a little bit better for the Montreal Canadiens because they had captain's night, as we discussed last week, and we're going to be discussing in just a few moments from now. But they did pick up a 4-2 to two win over the Islanders, the, uh, the tough New York Islanders, uh, really 
a very good team in the Metropolitan Division. But the Montreal Canadiens pick up the win there. Shea Weber with the empty netter. Of course, it could only be him picking up the empty netter on captain's night. He had to score. Um, and then, so what happened after that was a 3-2 loss to Colorado. Uh, Nate, uh, or excuse me, uh, it was Primo's debut. And unfortunately, we also did see uh, Jesperi Kotkaniemi go down in that game and uh, later found out that he does have a concussion, um, although it looked like he did escape any damage to his neck, which, you know, unfortunately, you don't want to see anyone get a concussion, but given the fact there was no other significant damage, that's that's good because that looked very, very nasty. Um, and then they clue up with a 2-1 to win over the New York Rangers. Thompson, Nate Thompson with the game-winning goal with 107 left in, re- in regulation, and Carey Price was just fantastic, especially in the second period. Uh, to close the second period on the penalty kill. So, Rick, did I lose you? (laughs) Because there was a lot of games there that I had to dissect very quickly. But it was, man, it's it's been quite the week. And believe it or not, the Montreal Canadiens woke up today second in the Atlantic Division because this is the weirdest season ever. It's it's really odd. Um, <laughs> really odd. Uh, the the Canadians, if if you look at the league standings, um, they're they have 32 points in 30 games. That makes it them 17th in the league. Um, so you think, okay, you know, 15 teams, half the teams make the playoffs. That that would put the Canadians on the outside looking in. No, not because of the Atlantic Division um, <laughs> and how weak that the, the Atlantic division has been the, the Habs are sitting second in the Atlantic. Um, now, okay. Second, uh, but they're, they're not within a, a, an area code of, of uh, a time zone of the Boston Bruins they are 14 no. points behind <laughs> the, the, the Boston Bruins. Um, so the Canadians have 32 points in 30 games. Uh, Rangers and Buffalo 31, Leafs 30, Lightning 29. Lightning have four games in hand, um, and and the Canadians somehow, uh, as as we said, yes, yeah, second in the Atlantic after going two six and two in their last ten. Um, so it's 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 bizarre. Um, yet you look at the projections. Um, you know they're going to need what. There's 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 52 games left. They're going to need 66 points maybe to make that that wild card position. But maybe the Atlantic stays crazy all yeah. year, stays <laughs> weak all year, and they have a chance. Um, who knows? Uh, you yeah. know, you you can kind of see what um, Bergevin and Molson have been preaching. Um, their philosophy: um, why improve the team? and raise expectations when there's so much parity, just roll the dice and, and take advantage of this crazy Atlantic division. I, I don't know if, I don't know if I was be, being paid a, an awful lot of money and, and I'd say, okay, yeah, let her ride. See what happens. Um, <laughs> and, and, and you look at, again, we talked about the athletics uh, playoff projections and they do their 50,000 simulations and whatnot. And they keep running these. Right now, the Canadians are projected um, to finish out the season with about 89 points. That would, that, you know, unless they go on a super run and get those 66 points, which is a 630 winning percentage, which they haven't been anywhere near all season, uh, they should finish with about 89 points, which is 
the athletic pro, uh, projects a 29% chance of making the playoffs. So um, at this point, it's hard to know what's going to happen. Um, it's just hard to believe that, that when you have that grouping, that really tight grouping of, of the Canadians and the Rangers and, and the Sabres and the Leafs and the Lightning, that, that somebody isn't going to break out of that. Somebody isn't. And, and do, do the Canadians look like they're the team that's going to do that? I don't know. I mean, I think the four games that the Lightning have in hand are, are going to be pretty critical there. I think that they're probably the team that's going to be able to figure this thing out, and, and they do have the games in hand to do it. Um, but, yeah, if, if the Atlantic stays the way that it is, I mean, yeah, the, the Canadians and the Leafs look like they're trying to out-crazy each other with these <laughs> weird winning, uh, winless streaks, and then they get a couple of wins in a row, and everyone's like, oh, it's fine now. So, but but with that said, as you said, like, do, do the Canadians look like the team that's going to be able to to break out of of that grouping of teams that are kind of all in the same area? And and I don't know if they are because I mean, you look at the Leafs and you think, well, yeah, that looks like a team that should probably be in the playoffs. That that does look like a team that should be in the playoffs. Buffalo, I don't know, but Montreal, I don't know if they're in that conversation with the likes of Tampa Bay and Toronto. But we do have all season to see if that you know kind of uh, changes and and Montreal right now they're in second place. So that's, that's something for them. And I guess the other thing I'd add to that is you have to, um, you have to be conscious of the fact that the Canadians have, have completely or Claude Julian has, has, has completely changed the system that they were using for the, for, for all of October and November. Um, this is a system now that, that isn't the, you know, um, no D to D passes and, and, and use the middle and all of that kind of stuff. Uh, they are clogging up the neutral zone. They're not using it like they, they did as a springboard to their offense. Uh, they're clogging it up. They're, um, they're, they're, they're not pinching. They're not activating the defense uh, like they did. Uh, it's, it's all hands back on to, yeah. to, slow things down, create a very defensive uh, support, the defenseman, because the defense is pretty weak. Um, so it's, it's completely different. And, and he's relying on, on a few um, defensemen and, and running them to death. Um, yeah. And so is that sustainable? Is the system sustainable that doesn't really match their identity is, is leaning hard on a couple of defensemen sustainable? You know, we, we don't know. I still think that the Canadians are, are desperate for a, for a move to bring in extra talent. Yeah. I think I'm, I'm in that boat with you. And I mean, Ben Chirot, listen, he's been, he's been playing about as well as I imagined he could and playing about 30 minutes a night. And he's been very, very good. So listen, I think that that is not going to be sustainable over long stretches of time because we've seen, when you rely on a couple of guys, it's happening to Jeff Petrie, where it's, I mean, listen, he was playing out of his mind to start this season, and now it's come back down to earth. So the, there's always the chance that they regress back to the mean, to what they what they really are. And, and you know, I don't know if Ben Chirot's the guy that you can play 30 minutes a night, and he plays, you know, near flawless hockey. So, and last night he took a couple of penalties that made it look like he might be uh, running out of gas just a little bit. But regardless... Because- because you mentioned yeah. Ben Sherrod, I, I don't mean to prolong this because um, uh, we've got lots of other things to talk yes, about. But <laughs> you mentioned Ben Sherrod, um, but 
right now, and I, I this is in one of the, the game recaps, I listed the defensemen in the organization who are healthy and who play on the left side. Um, it includes Sherrod, of course. Kulak, Leskinen, Riley, Olofsson, Ouellette, Elsner, Culkin, McEnany. Um, th- they're all defensemen who play on the left side and who are healthy. And Claude Julien right now trusts one of them. Yeah. And that's Ben Sherrod. Um, and, and that's, I don't know if that's sustainable. Yeah, I, I, I really don't think that it is. You, I think you're at some point you're going to have to, one of those guys is going to have to be a Claude Julien guy come the end of next week, or they're going to have to start making moves because Ben Sherratt can't keep this up. It's just, it's just not sustainable. Um, but we'll, we'll move backwards now and talk about captain's night because that was a really fun night celebrating the 110th anniversary, 110th birthday of the Montreal Canadiens. Had a bunch of former captains in the building. I mean, you had Zach Okoibu, who got a phenomenal ovation. Chris Chelios, Yvonne Cornwaye. You had Bob Gainey, Guy Carboneau. I mean, the list goes on. Um, it, it was a really fun night. And the Montreal Canadiens picked up the win, which obviously ended the winless streak. And Yvonne Cornwaye was very much uh, throwing some shade at the Montreal Canadiens, <laughs> saying it's a losing streak. Overtime doesn't count. <laughs> and I appreciated that. Um, but it was it was still a, a very fun night at the Bell Center. And uh, Max Domi uh, kind of uh, <laughs> had a little bit of a, a tough start to it. But uh, I mean, Chris Chelios gave him the gears and, and everyone seemed to have a good time with it. But uh, yeah, it, it was it was great to see all those former captains. Brian Gianta, another one. I know that Brendan Gallagher said that he was excited to see him. Um, so I think did did like making this kind of link to the past. I know that we talked about this a bit last week it kind of alleviates a little bit of, of the, the harsh feelings that might be going around right now in Montreal, right? Well, <laughs> you, you'd like to think so. Um, Maybe a little bit. You've got to give credit to, to the Canadians' uh, marketing staff. They did their best this week to, to uh, change the narrative, to turn the page on things. And one of the ways that we'll be talking about next segment, but, but this way, this connection to the past – I'd say that that they've used this uh, more often in the in uh, you know the recent past that they try to to try to to connect those emotions um, with with past players with past cups, but you know let's let's face it there's a good portion of the fan base who have never experienced a Stanley Cup some of, some are in this room here <laughs> um, maybe and. Um, <laughs> Uh, it's, 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 so it's tougher for the Canadians to, to make that emotional connection, but they, they honestly did their best. And, and I have to say that I was in the building for the, the hundredth, uh, when they celebrated the hundredth, one of the most memorable nights in hockey, um, absolutely hands down. It was an unbelievable, uh, event, a game ceremony, uh, everything. And so to, uh, a lesser extent to to celebrate the 110th uh, to bring these captains back it was it was wonderful it was great um, and uh, and and seeing them their comments the the way the players connected the current players connected with uh, the past captains um, was really special it it, it really was um, it's kind of unfortunate. I think it's unfortunate that it happened um, you know so close to a losing streak. Maybe the Canadians uh, are happy that uh, they had something. The Canadians organization is 
is happy that they had something else to distract and to, to focus on. Um, but it was, you know, it was, it was really nice to see um, all of those, you know, um, current players as, as much as, 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 as fans get a little giddy seeing their heroes, the current Canadians, the players themselves, when they see their hockey heroes, uh, they get a little giddy too. And you saw even Ben Sherratt with, with Mike Keith, yeah. just he couldn't <laughs> leave him alone. He was just uh, so excited to see him. It, it was, it was, uh, it was a really nice event. And uh, I know people got a kick out of seeing Brian Gianta next to Shea Weber. That was, uh, that was quite the pairing there. <laughs> Side by side, the uh, yeah, the diminutive Brian Gianta and the man mountain Shea Weber. But it was yeah, it was just fun to see all that stuff. And I know that uh, the one that I, that caught my eye, and I know that it caught yours as well, was the three Finns, Yol Armia, <laughs> yes, very yeah. Kotkaniemi, and Arturi Lekkinen surrounding Zaku Koivu. It was it yeah. was just this, like I and I feel as though it might have been a direction of more than and and these guys probably wanted to do it regardless. They, wanted to be by Zach Okoye for that picture, no doubt about it. But I feel like that was also a marketing thing too, where you had these three guys and you had Arturi Lekkinen wearing the Koivu jersey in warmups, um, just just surrounding this this the icon of you know for Finnish hockey, a guy that you know with the longest tenured captain in, in Montreal Canadiens history, along with with uh, Jean Beliveau. It was just it was something that really. That, that really caught my eye. It was, it was just really cool to see. And then also uh, as he left the ice, giving a handshake to Yasperi Kotkaniemi, who later posted a picture of that handshake on Instagram yesterday. It was, it was just great. It was, it was really cool to see that. It, it really was. And, and, um, and, you know, seeing those, seeing those guys in uh, other conversations, other other streams of conversations, um, particularly around uh, uh, Koivu, kind of sprung up, and and we've we've taken note of um, uh, this week. Yeah, and and you know this was a conversation that uh, well, it was Douglas Jellivan that that pointed this out, and and I wrote an article a couple of years ago talking about this because this is something that that I really believe that that should happen which um, is that Zach Koivu should have his number retired by the Montreal Canadiens. And, and I know that he also had some comments about Jesperi Kotkaniemi about maybe the Canadians bringing him in too soon. So, I mean, it, it's cool to see that he still really cares about both the players that are coming to Montreal and also the fact that, you know, uh, the Montreal Canadiens as well. So I think that, I mean, there's this connection that Canadians fans have, particularly of, of you know, within my, uh, and it's not just limited to people that are my around my age who grew up with Koivu as their captain. I know that it's it's for everybody because Zaku Koivu is that kind of player. You just kind of a, a guy that's very easy to get attached to. And I think, I mean, as time goes on, I think the case is becoming more and more clear for this. And I remember when I posted that article a couple of years ago, back in 2017, there was some resistance to it. People were saying, you know, he doesn't have the accolades. He doesn't have you know, enough of a, of a track record to go up and be amongst those great players. But I feel like maybe times are, or people are starting to realize that, I mean, it's, it's not easy to win Stanley Cups. It's not easy to win championships. And uh, Zach Koivu, I think, would be, if, if you could give it to anybody, if you retire anybody's number who hasn't won a Stanley Cup, I think Zach Koivu is probably first on that list. Now, I, you know, everybody has heard, everybody and their dog has heard my story about um, 
Sakukoibu, I used to see him in the grocery yeah. store. Um, he 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 said um, that uh, he he uh, he drove by his his old house in Nuns Island, which was just across the, the street from from where I was, and and was had fond memories of the the neighborhood. But even putting all that kind of aside, I I think he's a, a wonderful human being, um, and uh, was always you know kind and generous when when I ran into him. But putting all that aside. Um, and I think people are understanding that um, it doesn't, it's not just one player um, yeah. that it takes to win a Stanley cup. And um, that's happened with Carey price so far, although uh, there's a chance for him uh, yet. Um, and, uh, but it happened with Saku Koivu being on some really bad teams, but he was a rock throughout it. He was the player who, uh, continued every single night to um, to give an effort out there, and he was a captain for ten years, uh, yeah. which is you know Jean Beliveau territory. He he meant a lot to this this organization. He means a lot to fans. And Douglas Gall- Gallivan's tweet was was telling. Uh, and Doug's been a, a guest on this show. Um, uh, of course, he's a beat reporter. Uh, for the Canadians, he said, "I believe at some point Habs will retire Koibu's number." I was on the fence about it before, but in years uh, since he's he's uh, years since he's been gone, it's become more and more clear to me how much he means to this franchise and the fans. Um, and noted that that uh, uh, Saku got the the biggest cheer the other night, uh, which he did when when all the captains yeah. were were announced. Um, he's he he still means a lot uh, to this organization. People will not forget um, what he went through and uh, how he persevered. Um, and, um, you know, at, at some point when, when the time's right, um, it, I, I suspect it'll happen. Now he was asked, um, you know, how do you feel about it? How do you, uh, how, <laughs> do, you do you think it's going to happen? Would, would you like to see the number 11 in, in the rafters in the bell center? And he, he kind of just laughed it off and said, listen, I, I don't know. I had a long career, wore the sea for many seasons uh, in Montreal. But as a team, we had difficult seasons. Uh, when you look at, at the, the, um, uh, in the rafters of the Bell Centre, there are many remarkable players. I was happy about the night they gave me uh, four years ago. Uh, I'll never forget it. I'm just going to leave it at that. Uh, so those were his comments you can you can tell that that it would probably mean a lot to him. He still really um, is invested in in Montreal, uh, even though he does he lives in Finland now. Um, but he's not going to he's not going to say one way or the other. He's going to be happy with the recognition that he was shown. Um, but uh, I, I I believe uh, it would mean a lot to him. And man, wouldn't it be great if the Montreal Canadiens had a Zach Okoiva right about now <laughs> up front? I mean, that would be fantastic. And not to say that they don't have guys that, that give similar uh, work, that, that put in the similar amount of work. But I mean, he was just uh, just a steadying presence, as you say, in every aspect. Whatever was asked of him, he was able to do. And if the Canadians had a guy like that right now, I mean, whew, that would be great. Um, and and before we we run away from this, because you mentioned uh, his comments about Kakinyemi, yes. uh, for those yeah. who did not hear, um, he uh, Koibu kind of reminded people that Kakinyemi is only in his his second season. Reminded everybody of his age and said, you know, it's going to take time for him to uh, fulfill his potential. Uh, 
Um, he said when he was 18, he would have never played in, in the, the NHL. Uh, he was 20 years old when he started with the Canadians. He pointed to his good friend, Tamo Solani, who was 21 when um, he broke in with the Jets. Um, and he said, uh, you know, that, that Solani spent three extra uh, years in Finland um, and that Solani played till age 44. So he said, listen, there's lots of time to play um, in the in the NHL. Um, but you want to make sure you have the, a solid grounding. And if you don't feel 100%, you should stay at home. And, and he was kind of saying that it might have been better for um, uh, Kakanyemi to stay uh, in Finland to um, uh, receive that grounding, to uh, play for the national team, all of those kinds of things, um, you know, to, uh, an extra year in, in, in the junior ranks, uh, uh, represent yeah. the country. And and that he felt that Kakanyemi would have been more prepared and a more complete player when he arrived with with the Canadians. And I mean, so much of uh, today, I mean, you want the instant, you want the instant gratification, you want all of that right away. And there's not a whole lot of patience. And for Kakanyemi, it's so easy to forget. He's just 19 years old. Like there's so much that he's still going to be able to that he still needs to add to his game before he gets to that level. And it, it was great that Koivu. Uh, made comments like that uh, certainly for his uh, yeah for his young Finnish counterpart. Um, so we had some news out of Russia. So we have two pieces of news that are emanating from Russia, which was one that Mark Bergervan met with another young player that figures to be a key part of the Montreal Canadiens going forward, and Alexander Romanov, which from you know uh, what Pierre LeBron was saying was a positive meeting. And then there was also reports that if the Montreal Canadiens were going to be going in a different direction with head coaching, that it might be Bob Hartley who is currently coaching over in Russia. But that rumor was denied by uh, the VP of communications for the Montreal Canadiens, Paul Wilson. So, I mean, what if, what did you make of those two pieces of news coming out of Russia this week? Well, both were, were a little odd. Um, uh, yeah. First of all, the 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 news about Mark Bergevin was w- had a meeting with um, with Bob Hartley, uh, and and the the president of Avangard, the the, the uh, uh, team that Bob Hart- Hartley coaches, um, said yes, yes, he, his coach had met with with Bergevin, um, and then it was it came out later that no, it, it, he was just confused by the question. It was. It was um, in English, and and he had he had kind of messed it up. And, and once one of the Russian reporters got around to talking to um, uh, Bob Hartley, he said no. He said I I I was stunned by this news. My phone was blowing up. Everybody in the world was was contacting me from Montreal. The meeting didn't happen. I didn't talk to anybody from Montreal on the phone. None of it happened. It's all false. Uh, my owner got got uh, misunderstood, uh, and let's let's put this to bed. It it didn't happen, and and I I should say, Bob Hartley is the kind of guy that whether he's the appropriate for the appropriate coach for the Canadians or not, we'll leave that aside. He's the guy that once he commits to something, um, he's not going to back out. So uh, you know, he in the um, interview he he said he was committed to. Um, uh, honoring his contract that he had signed uh, in the KHL, that that uh, he's committed to winning there, and that no meetings 
uh, have happened. Um, as far as the meeting with Romanov, um, a couple of things. Um, at the be- beginning of the season, I think there was a lot of there was fans saying, well, "Where's Romanov? We're, we've got this this problem on le- on the left side. We've got nobody to play with Shea Weber." Um, um, Mark Bergevin didn't bring anybody in, so where's Romanoff? And and it was at uh, a press conference before the um, uh, the season started. And Mark Bergevin said, "No, he's not going to be here. He's got a contract in um, um, with the KHL, and uh, we'll have him here next season." Um, and so look forward to that. Now this meeting, uh, everybody's saying the meeting went well, and Mark Bergevin was kind of cautiously optimistic that maybe there's a good chance of him coming next year. Uh, but he doesn't seem, I mean, that's, that's a bit of a step back from the way he was talking in September, that it was, it was uh, you know, uh, a sure thing. Um, there seems to be some question whether Romanoff would come next year. And, and the fact that, that Mark Bergevin had to go all the way to Russia to meet with him means there, it was up in the air. So yes, things went well. Um, but it's, it's, it's not a guarantee that we're going to see him next year. And even if that happens, um, let's not expect this, <laughs> this poor young guy to be the savior, uh, for the, yeah. the entire left side of the Canadians defense and, and the, the 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 automatic de facto partner of Shea Weber. Yeah, it's it's again, it's about patience, and maybe that would be a, a little bit too much too soon for for a guy that will be you know learning about playing in the NHL, which is going to present a whole new list of challenges for him. So yeah, but uh, but still, it's it's pretty cool to uh, to see that you know there's the conversation that's happening about Alexander Romanov because he is a very intriguing piece going forward. So. But yes, uh, patience is key here. Um, <laughs> so Mark Bergevin continues to be busy. I mean, given the struggles that the Montreal Canadiens have gone through the past couple of weeks, the Montreal Canadiens have been linked in a couple of different conversations. I mean, whether or not you, I mean, Darren Dreger has been grouping them in the list of teams that may have interest in Taylor Hall, Shane Gostisbehere, Alec Martinez, another couple of guys. I mean, those being defensemen that could really help out the Montreal Canadiens right now. I mean, at this point, do you put much uh, much credence in, into these types of conversations, these rumors? And they are just they at this point are just that they are just just rumors. But I mean, do you think that the Montreal Canadiens? I know that Mark Bergevin has been, as you said, he's been in Chicago, been in Rockford, so there has been activity uh, from Mark Bergevin. So I mean, do you put much credence into that? Well, I I I, I would say that that uh, there's been pressure on Mark Bergevin to do something. Um, there's there's obvious problems. They're not solved um, by by focusing on the past as we did this week. They're not uh, uh, solved by by bringing up a 20 year old goaltender from Laval. There are problems, and 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 they're temporarily solved by the Canadians completely changing their system. But, but again, as we said, that's not sustainable. So um, uh, is Mark Bergevin uh, looking to make a deal? Yes. So he's, he's looking at, at uh, the Blackhawks. He's looking at, at uh, uh, the, uh, the, the Rockford Icehogs. Um, it's, it's, it's 
it's been and and uh, we've we've talked in the past about uh, the Taylor Hall rumors that Martinez before his injury with the Kings that might be a um, a uh, a possibility. Eric Gustafson uh, with Chicago that's been talked about. So I I think there's yes um, is Mark Bergevin looking for sure is is December the, the time when you're going to see a lot of trades probably not. Um, as we get closer to January, uh, I think that's when we're going to see some some moves and hopefully something to to, to bolster his uh, the defensive side of of uh, the lineup. Well, we're going to be talking about Mark Bergevin a little bit more in the second segment, but we're going to take a quick break before we get there. Stay with us here on the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. Rocket Sports Media is currently recruiting talented, motivated, and committed people to join our team. If you're a student wishing to gain experience, a young professional interested in broadening your credentials, an experienced hockey mind looking for a platform to share your expertise, or a passionate fan looking to contribute to our publications by connecting with fellow hockey fans, we want to hear from you. We are specifically interested in individuals who have education and or experience in the following areas. Sports writing, translation, editing, forum administration, social media administration, multimedia, graphic design, web development and user support, event planning, and sponsorship and marketing. If you are bright, loyal, passionate, and willing to dedicate yourself to a remarkable team, visit allhabs.net and click the Join Our Team tab today. In every city around the world, sports fans flock to popular watering holes to share a few pints, some good grub, and to cheer for their team. Think your favorite sports bar deserves to be recognized? Or are you traveling to a new place and need to find the perfect spot to watch a game? HockeyPub.com is the answer. Find out where the best spots are located in your city to eat, drink, and meet fellow fans. HockeyPub.com Want the latest Habs news with game previews, reviews, and highlights? How about full coverage of development camps and special events? Looking to follow the Laval Rocket more closely this season? Perhaps you'd like to learn more about team prospects. Would you like a place to socialize with hockey fans all over the world? We've got what you're looking for at allhabs.net, the place where you'll find everything you need to be the most informed and connected Habs fan around. Allhabs.net. And we're back here on the uh, Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Joela19. You can follow Rick at All Habs. And you can uh, follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Just in deep discussion about uh, about the week for the Montreal Canadiens and, and P.K. Subban, who we might be talking about a little bit later on. But, uh, <laughs> but yes, it was quite the week for the Montreal Canadiens. And after the game against the Boston Bruins, you felt like something just kind of had to, something had to give, like there needed to be some sort of change. And I didn't know what that change was going to be. Um, I, I really didn't anticipate anything like meaningful, any big, big changes to whether it be like the coaching or the front office, but they did make a change 
and it drastically changed the narrative. It drastically altered every all the discussions that were being had surrounding the Montreal Canadiens. And it was because they sent down a backup goaltender <laughs> to the AHL. He had to go through waivers, this being Keith Kincaid. And they recalled Caden Primo, a uh, 20-year-old goaltender who, to that point, had only had 12 professional games under his belt in the AHL. So you and Amy Johnson did a fantastic job of talking about this on the latest episode of From the Press Box, so I urge anyone listening, go back and listen to that. You guys did a phenomenal job, but I'll ask you to maybe echo some of the sentiments that you did on that show. I mean, this was a move, and I think you've pointed this out. You said this both to me and on on the podcast. Um, This was a move that changed the narrative without Mark Bergevin having to do much of anything at all. Well, well, that's right. Um, so uh, through the through the week, we've had um, recalls, you know, uh, and 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 players assigned to to Laval, Leskinen, Olafson, Pekka, yeah. um, Houdon. You know, that kind of stuff doesn't doesn't move the needle at all. Um, but rather than doing something substantive, uh, making a trade. Uh, dismissing someone, um, uh, Molson dismissing uh, the general man. Uh, those kinds of things apparently aren't aren't on the the uh, the menu. Um, and so, how do you how do you get everybody to stop, take notice, and completely stop talking about this this um, this losing? And and the the you know I I know that that the uh, the, the the number of games has been parsed a whole the, the losing streak has been parsed a whole number of ways and oh if you include ties and if you don't include ties and maybe it's 2003 but uh, if if we talk about a losing record it's it's 1939-40 so this is historic this is huge that that the Canadians throughout all of their and even the bad seasons that we talked about with respect to Saku Koivu and this was huge and so the the Mark Bergeron had to do something monumental to change the narrative. And he did. Um, nobody expected Keith Kincaid to be sent. Uh, and, and, you know, would Charlie Lindgren have completely, uh, uh, his recall t- turned the, changed the page? No, it was, it was Caden Primo, who is a, a marvelous good news story. He's a wonderful story. Um, taken 199th in the seventh round of the um, uh, the 2017 draft, um, and and there was reasons for that. It wasn't the steal that's being talked about, but 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 leave that aside. Um, and and he's 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 already his initials are the same. He's the heir apparent to <laughs> Carey Price. Um, that, that this is just a wonderful story. But as I said, this is nothing more than the shiny bauble. This is look over here, look over here and forget all of that bad <laughs> stuff that's going on over there. Um, did, did Caden Primo, was it, was it a hockey decision to bring him up? No, no one in their right mind thinks it's a good idea to bring up, uh, a 20 year old goal tender after 12 games in the AHL where he's, he has decent numbers. And, and um, I know that, that uh, 
if you look at the simplistic stats of, of just uh, uh, goals against and save percentage, uh, Charlie Lindgren and Primo, um, their, their uh, goals against is, is, this, is relatively the same. Uh, there's the wins. They've been splitting uh, the, uh, the load. So uh, Primo has one more win. It's, that's not really here or there. But uh, Primo has a better save percentage than Charlie Lindgren. Having said that, Lindgren has not had a bad game this season. And talking to the folks in, in uh, Lavelle, uh, they're really high on uh, Charlie Lindgren and, and the way he has, has performed this year. Um, w- Charlie Lindgren has the NHL experience, and he's played really well at the NHL level. He's put in uh, his games in the AHL. He was the logical person to call up. But... You want to change the narrative. You want to have something for people to, you turn the table over, have people talk about it. You bring up Caden Primo. Um, uh, Caden Primo in his last five starts in Laval has struggled, struggled kind of mightily in, uh, in, the, in four out of the five starts. And in those four games, he gave up 19 goals. He was not brought up for hockey reasons. Um, that said, you know, he did, he did as well as he can, as as well as he could. Was very nervous when you're when you when you know you when you know you don't have the experience when you when you know that that uh, the guy uh, that you share the net with is probably the guy that that should have been called up. You're thrilled. You're excited. It's your first NHL game, but you don't have the confidence um, uh, to be there. And we saw that we saw that in his first start, nothing against him. He, he's going to be fine after he spends two or three seasons, uh, in the AHL. Um, this was all smoke and mirrors. This was, this was, uh, the Canadians attempt to change the conversation and let's admit they were successful. That's they all did. everybody yep. talked about all everybody talked about. And, you know, I was I was kind of thinking about this because, you, as I said, you and Amy did a fantastic job of talking about the ramifications with with respect to development, all of that stuff. I just wanted to focus on one thing because earlier this week we had a conversation about Claude Julian, and I know that you took particular issue with him bringing up puck luck, and he said, you know what, if we didn't have a particular amount of puck luck in the 2011 Stanley Cup Finals or the 2011 playoffs, we might not have won the Stanley Cup. And you know what? That's a fair point. You know what? Every team that goes, most teams that go through the, the playoffs, through that grueling process, you have to get a couple of bounces your way. That is absolutely correct. However, it also takes skilled players, guys that know what it takes to win, all of those things. But in the midst of that, so Claude Julien talking about puck luck, how the Montreal Canadiens aren't getting any right now. He not so casually brings up the fact that he's won a Stanley Cup ring. And I see this as Claude Julian using one of the get out of jail free cards that you get that you earn when you win a Stanley Cup and he's got he's well within his rights to do that I believe because who's going to stop him who from this organization has got that level of experience uh with as a head coach as as really anything I mean Mark Bergevin in 2010 with the Blackhawks was director of player personnel but I mean not as a general manager he doesn't have that accolade he doesn't have that Stanley Cup ring but the thing is what does Mark Bergevin have I'm not suggesting that there's a power struggle between the the GM and the coach that's not what I'm doing 
But if Claude Julien is going to point to his Stanley Cup ring and say, listen, I've done this before. I know what it, I've, I've done this before. And, and also, let's not forget, 2013, they were right there. If not for a Dave Boland overtime goal, he could have two. But regardless, what does Mark Bergevin have that he can use to deflect attention away from himself or to get a little bit of praise for himself? Well, he oversaw the Montreal Canadiens draft the guy who has the potential to maybe be the heir apparent to carry price between the pipes. And that was in the seventh round of the draft. So I'm not equating one to the other, but when Claude Julian brings up the fact that he's won a Stanley cup ring, I mean, it's, it's an interesting thing that you see that in the same week, you also have the goal, the, the Canadians and Mark Bergevin also pulling off something of a, you know, of, of a stunt to try to get some, get some good, good vibes again, because people have seemed to look at this organization and say, well, listen, man, after that game against the Boston Bruins, I think that there, there could be some, some wholesale changes and people might've expected them to be after going winless in eight games to try to make some changes. And you have the coach saying, well, I've won a Stanley cup. And then you have the general manager trying to point to really the only thing that he has left, which is the future. I just thought that that was a really interesting part of this. It's a great point. And, and stunt is kind of a good word. You have, uh, you also mentioned uh, Claude Julien, who is clearly feeling the heat because he said some things that we, we just haven't heard uh, him say before. He, you know, he's pretty confident uh, behind the podium and challenges reporters, but there he was pointing to his Stanley cup ring, pointing yeah. to the fact that, <laughs> that, um, you know, over that eight game losing streak, they didn't get much puck luck, which, you know, puck luck. We, we haven't heard that since Michelle Terrian uh, <laughs> talked about it. Uh, I thought, I thought that was bizarre that, that he must, he must be feeling that he, he he's also been hammering officiating. Um, and uh, that is, and, and surprisingly, I'm shocked that, some of the things that he said, he hasn't been fined. Um, yeah. He's, he's, and oh, maybe <laughs> who wants to pile on right after um, an eight game losing streak, but um, he's really um, defending himself, uh, kind of pointing outside. Uh, you know, it's not his fault. It's not his player's fault. He's trying to deflect things. Um, and as you said, uh, with, with, uh, uh, Bergevin is, is, is kind of along that, that same route. Um, and it's, it's, yes, it's this, of course, Primo's story is a fairy tale, or at least how it's being told is a fairy tale, uh, chosen in the, the, the seventh round. Um, and, uh, but, but there is some, I mean, okay, let's take a second, just a second. (laughs) Um, If you're going to give credit to anybody for finding uh, 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 Primo in the, in the seventh round, don't give it to Mark Bergevin. And, and, and uh, yes, Trevor Timmons was the one who, who pulled the trigger, but it was Bill Berglund, the, the scout, uh, longtime scout since retired. Actually that uh, 2017 draft was his last. Uh, He retired at 72 years old and he was hounding Trevor Timmons that entire draft. Primo, primo, primo. Um, and the thing is that, that why, was, why was primo falling? Um, 
he was all over the the map in terms of 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 rankings. The the hockey prospects and my memory's going to fail me. It was probably around uh between 50 and 60. 58 comes to mind. Um had ranked him. So uh, decent second round stuff. Uh but he had fallen all the way to 7. Why why did that happen? Um and it was because uh, he didn't. He didn't really play well his draft year. He had a, a, a tough first half. He was playing for the Lincoln Stars in the USHL. Um, his numbers weren't good. And then when the scouts were coming up um, to look at him the second half, hand, uh, second half of the season, they found him stapled to the bench. He wasn't getting many starts. Um, and but it was uh, uh, the Lincoln Stars goaltending uh, coach uh, Clay Adams who said. You know, you know, they asked, well, you know, what, what's, what's, can you tell us about, about uh, Primo? And they, they, they talked about his, his um, athleticism, uh, made good reads, high hockey IQ, come from a, a hockey family. But Clay Adams um, kind of skewered <laughs> Primo when, when he said he's emotionally dis- disengaged at times. He's aloof. Um, it's like he doesn't care. Uh, and then uh, attached the uncoachable tag to him. And man, that stuck. And yeah. it was circulating that Primo was uncoachable. And that tanked his, um, his, his draft rank. And so much so that when they were sitting in the uh, um, uh, waiting for in the second day of the draft, his, his dad said, you know, you got to prepare yourself. You may not get drafted today. Um and then the Canadians, they made that trade with the Flyers to get the, the seventh round pick and picked him up at the urging of, of Bill Berglund. Um, so there are some things, you know, they talked about his, he wanders, he loses focus, all that kind of stuff. There are things for this guy to work on. Uh, tremendous talent, but you're not going to learn everything you need to know about being a pro hockey player by playing 12 pro games in the AHL. You're just not, you're, you're not going yeah. to do that. Uh, regardless of how much uh, natural athletic talent uh, you have. And yeah, he should have been given two to three years, as you said, to figure that stuff out and develop properly in the AHL. Give him some time. That, that's what this is all going to be about. You have to give guys time to develop. But let's shift gears a little bit here because this is also a story about Keith Kincaid and what the Montreal Canadiens did this past offseason when they signed him to a contract for $1.75 million. And in the process, you ignore the work that Charlie Lindgren has done, and you also, I mean, you, you look at the fact that you are now displacing Michael McNiven as well, as, as a guy as a 22-year-old goaltender with, with still... I mean, this was a guy that was extre- like highly regarded, extremely well-regarded as, as a prospect goaltender. And now he's just playing for whatever ECHL team needs him. So it's, it's just a little bit debilitating. It's a little bit heartbreaking for those guys because you feel for them. And, I mean, listen, I don't think that Keith Kincaid helped his cause with the way that he played. But when the Toronto Maple Leafs were on, you know, when, when you had all the media that was talking about Michael Hutchinson not playing well enough and all that. I mean, backup goaltenders, I, I don't think that it, they should be the ones that take the fall for it. But, I mean, 
Keith Kincaid said all the right things coming into this, but through the games that he played, I mean, it became evident early on that he wasn't going to be the 25 to 30, you know, that, that 20 to 25 starter guy that, that was going to take the load off of Carey Price. And I mean, he had a bit of a rocky one in LaBelle last night from, from everything that you see. On, and, and I know that Chris, uh, Chris G, our friend was saying, I mean, he didn't have a chance on a couple of them, but it just doesn't seem like this guy was, is the answer, you know, for this season. So last night, uh, and for, for those, the, the stat rats that, that, that are going to compare uh, goals against and save percentage and that kind of narrow myopic view, uh, Keith Kincaid in the AHL now has a 5.02 goals against average and an 8.28 save percentage. Um, that's not fair. <laughs> that's not fair at all. Uh, yeah. The Rocket were horrible defensively in the first period. Uh, Keith Kincaid got uh, scored on 19 seconds into his uh, his first game back in the in the AHL, um, and uh, gave up four in the first period. But not all King- Keith Kincaid's fault. But I will say this: I was more concerned with the way he played when he wasn't scored on. Um, his positioning is not very good. Uh, his reads, not very good. Um, he's, he's, and, and as such, uh, then he's not, he's not square to the shooter. He's not swallowing the puck. He's not square to the shooter. He's not making the glove save or the rebounds were all over the place. And I was more concerned by the goals that, uh, the shots that didn't go in the goal. Uh, than the ones that that did. Um, he did not look good last night. But we said this. We said at the time, you know, when when um, the Colorado Avalanche were in town this week, uh, Joe Sackick on on July first. What was he doing? He was signing Donskoy, who a player we both like. Um, yeah. On the on the uh, would he have looked good in the Canadians lineup? Um, you know, he would be up there in points and goals for, for the Canadians. No, the first priority for, for Mark Bergevin was ignoring his uh, goalies in the system and signing Keith Kincaid. And what did Keith Kincaid do? Goals, uh, expected goals, uh, when you look at it, 1.73 more goals than expected. The only one worse, Corey Schneider. Third last, yeah. Michael Hutchinson. All three goalies, Kincaid, Schneider, Hutchinson, have been on waivers. Um, that that's uh, you, and and let's let's throw uh, Stefan Waite in into the the mix too, because uh, he obviously said I'm I'm going to I'm going to do something with this guy. I'm going to make him better uh, than he looked last season, and he hasn't been able to. So how odd is this? The best goaltending coach in the entire world uh, by reputation wasn't able to do anything. So Keith Kincaid goes to the AHL to recover his game. And, and, and this whole thing about getting a, a big workload, Joel Bouchard said, clearly I'm sticking to my rotation um, of, of Lindgren one game can Keith uh, the next game. Um, so it's not like he's going to get, uh, he'll, he'll get more games than he would uh, playing in Montreal, but he's not going to get a huge number of games. Um, I think that Canadians, you know, there's, there's a lot of silly talk on, on social media and silly talk um, about, about Carey Price's salary. 
And as soon as anybody mentions um, his salary and, 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 and tries to talk about his, you know, is he earning it kind of thing, that kind of immediately discredits their opinion in my mind. But, okay, you want to talk about salary? Do you want to talk about salary? Um, Carey Price has 12 wins uh, for his $10 million this year. What has the backup goaltending done? Mm-hmm. What has the backup goaltending done this season? Um, so how much are the kids answer this question, Joe, how before the, the whole Primo, uh, Kincaid swap, how much are the, the Canadians spending on backup goaltending this season? Before that, uh, well, there was the $1.75 million contract for Keith Kincaid to bring him in as a guy that they hoped would be a 25 game guy. So right. that so is 25 yeah. to 30. And yeah. And yeah, and you're right. 1.75 million. And everybody was kind of, you know, there's a bit of a raised eyebrow there. Jeez. The Canadians are spending 1.75 on a backup goaltender. Um, that's, that's pretty generous. Um, yeah. But you forget it's not 1.75. It's 3.12. The Canadians are spending this season, $3.12 million on their backup goaltending. Why is that? because we forget that Steve Mason is still on the books. Mm-hmm. The, the player that came over in the Armia deal. Uh, everybody seems to have forgotten about Steve Mason, but the Canadians are paying Steve Mason $1.37 million this season. That added to Keith Kincaid gets you to one, 3.12. If you add uh, Caden Primo in there at 0.88, you get close to $4 million. I know that there's some, with Kincaid going there's uh, to Laval, there's some cap relief in there, but the Canadians are spending far more than $3 million on their backup goaltending. And for that price that they've paid, they have one win, just one win. Yeah. And I think that was a disastrous decision by Mark Bergevin. And even without adding in that, I mean, I've my whole contention beyond the fact that, I mean, you've, You've you know you've shown no faith in your own prospects and in, in in your own system. Is that well that 1.75? I mean, if you use that on the Sebastian Ajo offer sheet, you go up to the next level. Maybe Carolina has to think about it for more than five minutes. Like, for sure, that's the thing. I mean, that's that's what's lost in all of this. Is that I mean, you use that money, and I mean, listen, I think we can have an entire discussion about what this off this past off season. I mean, you can have an entire discussion about Mike Riley, Brett Kulak. Keith Kincaid. I mean, you go down the list. I mean, they're start, they're getting some value for Ben Chirot because he's had he's had to play 30 minutes because Claude Julian's the only guy that he you know he could actually trust is Ben Chirot. But it has not been a a good start. Uh, and Keith Kincaid, like I said, I, I just I don't think that he is going to be uh, be, be back. Well, I don't think he's going to be the answer. I won't say that I don't think he'll be back, but I don't know if he's going to be the answer for this because. The Canadians just need to get some more quality goaltending out of that backup spot and, and more than, than one win. I mean, yeah, it's, it's not been a good start. <laughs> but uh, we do have some good news, though, which is that Carey Price won the uh, Molson Cup for the month of November because I don't know who else you would have given it to. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe you can make the case for, for Gallagher. Uh, he had some goals late. Armia was good, but I mean, it's yeah, it was going to be Carey Price. Everything fell apart in front of him, but he also did have some. People forget. I mean, first week in November, he had some really, really great games, really great performances. Uh, 
Philadelphia comes to mind as one. Uh, the LA Kings was another. He had a very good start to the month, and then everything fell apart, and he couldn't keep everything afloat by himself. So, he did, and yeah. and well, you know how I feel. Um, yeah. <laughs> if if you analyze goals, there's there's uh, there wasn't a a lot there. Um, he he hasn't been playing badly, but he no. he wasn't able to uh, take the team, and shouldn't be expected uh, to to be uh, take a, a poor defensive team playing poorly, and uh, and carry them to victory every single night. Well, we are going to uh, take a quick break. And when we come back, we do have a question that we threw out earlier this week, which is who should be responsible for the losing streak? And that was thrown out there after, a, uh, after it had extended to eight games. So we're going to go back and look at some of those answers. And we're also going to take a little bit of a look at an article that was written in the New York Post about P.K. Subban. So stay with us here after a quick break. The Canadians Connection is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. I bet you enjoy sporting your best Habs jerseys, dressing up your kids and pets in the cutest Habs gear, and showing off your decked-out hockey cave or fanning. Well, don't just show your friends. Show your Habs. The team at All Habs wants you to boast your finest pictures for our global network of Montreal Canadiens fans. Include the hashtag ShowYourHab when posting your fan photos on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Then log on to ShowYourHab.com to see your entries, along with photos and posts from Hab fans all over the world. A proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. If you're a business owner looking for the perfect platform to reach a targeted audience of customers, Rocket Sports Media is the solution. Our global hockey community provides unmatched social media reach to an attentive demographic of sports and entertainment fans. We can provide visibility to your company, helping you to engage and leverage this prime group of potential clientele. In addition, we also offer sponsorship opportunities for fan events and featured areas of website content, giving you name and logo recognition. Visit rocketsportsmedia.com to contact us for further details and information regarding this unique marketing opportunity. For the most trusted source of news, analysis, and features about the Montreal Canadiens, their affiliates, and their prospects, log in to allhabs.net, your year-round resource for anything Habs-related. That's allhabs.net. And we're back here on the Canadians Connection Podcast, episode 61 of the Canadians Connection Podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. You can follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And speaking of Twitter, as we were going through the uh, first segment, we got a tweet from uh, the commissioner of uh, the All Habs Yahoo Fantasy Sports League, uh, Brian Clark, at BZ05 on Twitter. And uh, he wanted to know what we thought of an article that I saw that you had retweeted earlier this morning and I had read 
from the New York Post, which is uh, about P.K. Subban. And uh, it's, it's entitled, Devil's P.K. Subban is Marketing Everything Except His Own Game. And uh, it kind of goes through P.K. Subban. And, and we, we've come to know this about P.K. Subban is that he is a, 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 a business-savvy individual who likes to you know, market himself very well, and he's done so in a charitable uh, cause as well, and, and that's fantastic. But it kind of talks about what he's been doing since the trade to New Jersey, and, and even before that as well. So it, it talks about him maybe being on the decline at the age of 30, and, and the part that I think was uh, the most uh, interesting for uh, the Montreal Canadiens and their fans is you're starting to see a little bit of, of, of a conversation about that trade back in 2016 between the Montreal Canadiens and Nashville Predators, where you have the Canadians getting Shea Weber, who, you know, people at that time were talking about him being on the decline and him no longer being able to produce at a high level. And here we are in 2019, and the shoe is on the other foot because P.K. Subban, even though he looked at the time to be the guy that would have the, the game that would age a little bit more gracefully, maybe as a puck mover, as a guy with a little bit more mobility. Well, I mean, now it's gone in reverse because Shea Weber is back to being the man mountain. He is, he is back and he's healthy, which is great. And I think that that's the interesting part of this for me is that, I mean, people are starting to realize that that was a, a pretty good trade, a, a very good trade, I'll say, on the part of, of Mark Bergevin. And I think that you agree with that as well. When ask when you ask um, Mark Bergevin what what's your best move what's your best transaction um, he always he always points to Paul uh, Byron uh, picking him up on waivers and um, and um, oh, oh okay but but Paul Byron is a typically or or at least on a on a on a playoff team he's a he's a fourth line player. Um, I, I, I'm as critical of Mark Bergevin, um, uh, justifiably, uh, as you'll find, but, um, I, that was obviously his best trade. It was obviously a, a hockey trade, uh, uh, the, the acquisition of Shea Weber, uh, for PK Subban. Um, that's clear. Um, and you know, it was always PK Subban has always had a focus on, as he calls it, his brand. He's, that's what he's, what he's doing is focusing on his brand. Um, and, um, you know, that's, that's one thing that, that even when he was in Montreal, that, that he was being criticized for, but at least his numbers were always good. Um, yeah. it's really interesting to see, uh, PK Subban being, uh, being, uh, criticized for his numbers and, and, how he's uh, a sh- uh, as as in the 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 New York Post article says uh, just a a shell of himself two goals three assists for five points um, in in uh, the the season in twenty eight games um, and and saying you know okay he's on the decline because he's thirty years old and um, and and that's not something you would you would really expect but. The crushing, um, uh, the 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 language used in this article, um, and it's uh, uh, Brett Sargalis is a, is a, a a reporter. Uh, I mean, he's with the New York Post. It's you know it certainly gets uh, pretty good circulation, and and he knows uh, he knows his stuff. 
He's a good reporter um, and talks about that, that PK Subban should be embarrassed, talks about how unbelievable it is that the focus for him is on his, his, his promoting himself um, and that he, he, you know, even with, with um, uh, John Hines getting um, fired uh, over the last week, um, that P.K. Subban was still out there promoting uh, himself, promoting his brands, um, and uh, had left a bad taste for, for fans and for, um, for this particular reporter. Um, it goes on to quote the, the uh, 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 owner, or at least the managing partner of the Devils, saying one of the reasons we brought him here is because he's such a celebrity and talked about uh, Lindsey Vaughn and, and the power celebrity couple. Uh, and wow, that, that's, that might say a lot about why the, uh, the Devils are, are, are in trouble right now. Um, but compare that to, um, you know, the, the season that, that Shea Weber is having. Uh, and there's even, you know, he's sixth in scoring for defensemen. Um, he's, he's tough to play against. Um, and, and there's even, he hasn't worn, uh, ever, um, uh, won a Norris trophy, but there's even, you know, that he should be included in that conversation. So, um, it was a, 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 a great trade for, um, uh, Mark Bergevin and one that, that he should be very proud of. And for PK Subin, how he has, uh, taken his career and, and, and monetized it for himself and, and, and his brand, but, uh, how he's turned his back on uh, on his team uh, this um, you know brief stop in Nashville and now in New Jersey and and certainly isn't helping them on the ice at all. And I remember early in the time in Nashville, I mean they make the the Cup final that year, and and people are you know talking about them being the clear cut winners of the trade and all that. And I mean you look at what they had though. I mean Roman Yossi. I think that Ryan Ellis is the most underrated part mm-hmm. of that. By the way. I'm a big fan of Ryan Ellis, but I mean, Matthias Ekholm as well. Like they had, they had a really good defensive core. It would be hard for PK Subban not to be, not to look decent in the first couple of years. So yeah, but anyways, I think you're absolutely right. This was the best move that Mark Bergevin made. Um, and it's really the only time that he's kind of stuck his neck out and, and made a, a very unpopular decision, which at the time, this was a very unpopular decision to trade PK Subban. And I mean, still is amongst some fans. So. Has, has anyone um, checked on yeah. Brendan Kelly? Is is he okay? <laughs> um, after reading after reading the the New York Post article, he's all right. Somebody yeah, should check I on don't, him. I haven't I haven't seen anything uh, from him on Twitter. I have to look that up afterwards. But <laughs> yes, you'd think he'd be a little bit upset about that. Um, so I guess we'll move on now because you did throw out a uh, on Facebook earlier this week gained a lot of traction, a lot of responses to a question, which is simply who should be held responsible for the Canadians, long eight game losing streak. And, uh, and boy, oh boy, uh, I guess losing to the Boston Bruins did not leave a good taste in people's mouths. <laughs> well, um, yeah, this is a bit of a, a Facebook exclusive. We've, we've got uh, a fan group of about 45,000 there of, of uh, really passionate Canadians fans and, I think we heard from all of them and more um, 
uh, when asking uh, who's responsible, who's responsible for the losing streak. And, and the photo that went uh, along with it was a photo from the golf tournament with uh, Jeff Molson, with uh, Claude Julien, with uh, Mark Bergevin. And um, we got an avalanche, an utter avalanche of, of response. If, if you want to, you know, the, the uh, comment thread is open. Go ahead and, and add your comments there. Um, there's, there's far too many comments for us to read here, but we just wanted to mention that as, as, uh, 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 just thanking, uh, all of our, our listeners for going there, all of our all Habs, uh, uh, folks, um, uh, who love the content at allhabs.net and, um, the responses are all over the place for the most part, I would say, if I was going to kind of narrow it down, most of the fire is is directed at Mark Bergevin, uh, probably appropriately so. Um, you know that there there were comments about saying, you know, well Jeff Molson's not going anywhere. You can't do anything about him uh, because he's the owner. But I would just say, uh, and we've talked about this before. Um, I think this kind of situation screams for a president of hockey operations. So uh, Mark, or so that uh, Jeff Molson as owner is uh, detached from uh, the day-to-day decision-making of, of Mark uh, Bergevin and bring in someone with hockey experience that can guide him um, rather than the kinds of decisions that kind of uh, lean towards that marketing uh, you know, marketing and image and those kinds of things uh, when Jeff Molson has a, has a say in things. So uh, lots of comments. Uh, and, and I should say, Claude Julian didn't get off uh, scot-free yeah. either. Uh, they haven't appreciated the way he's, uh, uh, our listeners haven't appreciated the way he's, he's dealt with uh, some of the younger players or the way he's called out players uh, or the way he's, he's uh, uh, used his lineup. So, um, seems like, uh, particularly, uh, the, the cousins and wheel on the power play, yeah. uh, sticks in the craw of, of our <laughs> listeners. So we see those comments mentioned frequently. Yeah. There's, there's things that Claude Julian could absolutely be doing better, but, uh, yeah, I am, I am of the opinion and I agree with most of the people the the, the majority of the people that responded that this mainly lies on the shoulders of Mark Berger. And there's things, absolutely. There's things that Claude Julian could be could be rectifying the penalty kill, uh, though it has uh, improved a little bit. They did get through a couple of games. Granted, Carey Price had to make like five or six saves against the uh, New York Rangers last night to get out of that second period tied at one, but it does look better. Um, but yeah, the wheel and, and Cousins thing is really weird. The young players, obviously, I mean, we, we heard the discouraging things that, uh, that Kale Fleury had to say with respect to why he thought he might have been out of the lineup a couple of weeks or last week, which was, well, you know, I'm a young guy, so I don't know if that has anything to do with it or not, but that's, that's a little bit, you don't like to hear things like that. Um, but I mean, big picture, I mean, the Montreal Canadians, the last two seasons have sat on more than $7 million, you know, in each, each of the last two seasons. So they're not a cap team. They're not a team that's spending as much as they can to be as good as they can. And really where they're spending money is on marginal talent. They're not really paying for premium. They're paying for guys that are going to be in on the third and fourth line or a backup goaltender. And that's just not going to get you where you want to go, at least not in my opinion. So I think that this 
mainly has to lie on the shoulders of Mark Bergevin as being the guy that makes these hockey decisions. So with all that said, <laughs> we've, we've gone through all of the, or some of those responses. And as we said, there were quite a few responses you'd expect of a fiery Montreal Canadiens fan base after going winless in eight games. So uh, yeah, definitely, uh, <laughs> def- definitely a fiery bunch. But uh, it's going to be weird, though. Tonight, no Habs game. Uh, on, <laughs> coming off of a back-to-back, you played Friday, played last night, which is a bit weird. But, yeah, no Saturday night game for the Montreal Canadiens. Well, uh, if you're looking for your hockey fix tonight, uh, then look to our AHL report team, uh, who is going to be covering uh, Chris G., uh, Amy Johnson, uh, who's going to be covering uh, the Rocket Um as uh, they left Syracuse and went to Bridgeport. Uh, and so that game tonight, uh, you can, uh, again, uh, get your, your hockey fix. And, and um, you know, you'll want to take a look at uh, how, how Charlie Lindgren, uh, I expect he'll get the start tonight, is, is going to play. Um, Ryan Paling was on the first line last night, but played for the very first time on the wing. Uh, which was an interesting choice. So you want to look at that. But our AHL report team will have all of uh, that coverage for you tonight. Yes, and of course, do a fabulous job covering the Laval Rocket. And as I said earlier in this podcast, you want to go back and listen to the latest episode of From the Press Box and get an even deeper dive into the conversation about Caden Primo. We did a little bit of a, a shorter version of that, but they had you and Amy did a great job talking about that. And we also have two other podcasts, the Have a Listen podcast and the Habs Unfiltered podcast. And you can find all of those on your favorite podcast platforms, including Overcast, Ditcher, TuneIn, Spotify, Google Play. Just search for Rocket Sports Radio, hit that subscribe button, you get all four of them. So we'll be back next week discussing all things Montreal Canadiens. We'll see where this roller coaster takes us next. Uh, And uh, we'll be back then at 1 p.m. Eastern. That's 2.30 Newfoundland time. So thank you for tuning in to the Canadiens Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. For the latest news on the Montreal Canadiens, follow us on Twitter at Habs Connection and visit allhabs.net.